You're listening to the Professional Hypnotherapist Podcast, a production of the European Association of Professional Hypnotherapists. In this session number 33, we hear from John A. O'Connor from County Cork. John is a vastly experienced hypnotherapist. We hear from John about his journey into hypnotherapy, emphasizing the importance of client participation in the therapeutic and healing processes. John also discussed the role of stage hypnosis and the potential of hypnotherapy in sports performance and how it is used in politics. All of this and more. Okay, John O'Connor, you're very welcome to the Professional Hypnotherapist podcast. Thank you very much, Aidan. Thank you for the invitation. And John, uh, maybe you just tell us initially, where are you in practice in Ireland? I am down in West Cork. Okay. Uh, south, of, south of Clonakilty in Ardfield, right. right on the coast. So I have a beautiful view of the Atlantic Ocean to me to my left. Yeah, lovely. Oh, right. That's yeah. that's imagine it's it's uh, beautiful. It yeah, is any time of the year. Well, I hear the locals give out about the weather, and I'm wondering what they're giving out about because the weather is beautiful down here every day. Yeah. In my yeah. opinion, yeah. yeah. So. For those people watching us from from abroad, maybe particularly America, tell us again where you are so that we get this in our heads. So it's right down on the the heel of Ireland rather than the toe. And yeah. so if you look at the map of Ireland, it's right down on the, the heel of the country in Ardfield. So um, I'm developing a, a residential holistic practice center uh -huh. uh, it's it, it's taken a lot more work than i anticipated and um but we're making great progress i'm doing that with okay. my partner elaine yeah oh excellent right well congratulations on every success um but today now the the purpose of this uh podcast is is to talk about indeed to talk about you and to talk about your uh, work as a hypnotherapist and the vast, um, what would I call it, breadth of knowledge that you bring with you and experience in, in your previous existence, if you want to call it that way. So how, how, John, did you get into the world of hypnotherapy and indeed healing, if you want to call it that? Well, the, the initial mind over matter thing, as I call it, um, yeah. was through the study of martial arts in the 1970s. Right. And I studied with a man named George Canning. Mm -hmm. And I remember George brought a grandmaster over from, I think it was Japan, uh, to show us the ultimate end of martial arts. But that man, in turn, was actually a healer. Um, yeah. And and the the philosophy was, everyone can hurt and if they can hurt, they can heal, but only if they want to. And that would have been a spark. Mm. And then my first introduction to hypnosis was uh, Dr. Jack Gibson. He was oh, the yes. yeah, yeah. surgeon in Kildare. Yeah. And he was on the Late Late Show, and I was That's absolutely right. yeah. blown away by him. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've studied as much as I can his work which mm. is absolutely international. It's yeah. equal to everything that Milton Erickson has done. Um, 
So he like he is an unsung hero yeah. in, in within Ireland. There are lots uh, of them, John. There are. I beg your pardon. There are. There are. I said there are lots of them unsung heroes. But can I just interrupt you for a moment? And you mentioned that you can heal only if you want to, or something like that. Yes. Yes. Okay. So maybe, uh, maybe you develop that point for me because that's something that that I'm really interested in. So a lot of people will go to all kinds of practitioner, including conventional, um, yeah. conventional medicine practitioners. Yeah. And they expect them, the practitioner, to do all the heavy lifting. You actually have to engage emotionally and physically with the person you're seeking help from. And the simplest way is eye contact and handshake. And for those in the hypnotherapy world, we all know about the importance of the handshake and eye contact. Yes. But that goes right across all healing modalities. Mm -hmm. So if you go to hospital and you're brought into the emergency department, it's very important if you're in a position to actually shake hands with the doctor mm -hmm. or nurse that's actually dealing with you. Mm -hmm. And that initial contact subliminally says, I'm here to get better. I need your help. So, yeah, what I'm getting from you is that you're, the, the person seeking the help has to be an active participant. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's no, and, and that, that is something that, you know, is, is relevant for all forms of therapy. And particularly as we sort of segue into a hypnosis and hypnotherapy that some people out there think that, you know, oh, I'm going to have hypnosis done to me. Would you, would you comment yes. on that? Um, you're not going, it's, it's so many people believe that, and that comes, I believe from their experience of stage hypnosis. Yeah. Now stage hypnosis is hugely important. It's like the shop window for the power of this modality. But again, the hypnotist or the hypnotherapist, I liken them to the tour guide. I want to go on a tour. I want to get the best value from the tour. I'm dependent on the tour guide to show me the highlights on the tour. Mm. How I interpret them is my business. And if I want to wander off the trail that they recommend, that's okay too. But I still want the best experience possible on the tour. Excellent. Excellent. And you mentioned that it's a powerful modality. Hugely powerful. Mm. And again, through my, I would have been a very skeptical of, very skeptical of hypnosis as a modality. Mm. Until well, can I, I just, can I just say, I beg a pardon, can I just mention there mm. that, you know, for the benefit of our viewers and listeners, that you initially, when you, when you started out in your career, you were an engineer. <laughs> yes. And, and, and if I can go, yeah, if I can actually bring you back a little further. Yeah. So I, okay. st I start, started life as a mechanic. Right. Mechanic. Then the first real recession of my lifetime, which was in the 
end of the 70s, early 80s, hit Ireland, and I joined the army. Right. So I trained at every chance I got, and I became a specialist within the Irish army. Then I left. I worked as a mechanic very hard. Always interested in people, but I ended up working on machines. Right. And then I had the opportunity, or I had a brain fart one day. I had to go back to school to improve my life. Yes. I went for six months. I stayed seven years, and I ended up lecturing in engineering. Okay. Lovely. So that's I, that's some yeah some progression. It's it's yeah quite a progression. A lot of sacrifice, not just on my part, my family, they paid a sacrifice also. Um, and it has been worthwhile. It has. Um, but I always had an interest then in performance, more so than hypnotherapy or hypnosis. But hypnosis and performance, to me, are hand in glove. Mm -hmm. So in sports performance, the first person I ever heard speak about uh, visualization and focus was Jack Nicklaus when he was the king of the ring in golfing. And then Seve Ballesteros actually followed suit and became the ultimate golfer. If you look at all the top sports people in the world, they're all using some form of coaching or hypnosis or both. Yeah. And some of the biggest names, Tony Robbins, he's a yeah. hypnotist. It's not just my opinion, but the most powerful hypnotist in the world is somebody who's showing great interest in a big White House in Washington at the moment. Right. And if you watch the way he delivers, it's fundamental, it's simple, it's hugely effective, and millions of people follow him. I purposely won't mention his name because mm -hmm. for quite a while, every one of us, even in Ireland, could not go a day without mentioning that man's name. Right. That's the most powerful hypnosis I've ever seen. The only yeah. other person I can think of who had that much influence was Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay. When you look at um, Adolf Hitler, I know these are controversial figures. He used it extremely well. Um, Genghis Khan. When you look at Genghis Khan, without a doubt, the man was a hypnotist. Hugely influential. And all politicians today are using elements of NLP, which is hypnosis by a different name. Yeah, so absolutely. it's a huge, hugely powerful and influential modality and in the right hands and used with the best intentions. I think it's unbeatable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And indeed, you mentioned in the right hands, and you know that the whole area, as as you 
you and I, we belong to the European Association of Professional Hypnotherapists, and it's a, a we subscribe to a code of professional ethics and conduct. And, and that is so important in, in today's world. Uh, would you comment on that, John? It's, it's hugely important because we're a beneficial part of welfare, not just physical, but mental, emotional, and spiritual welfare. Mm. And the quick fix solution, if I can make a comparison between fine dining and a burger chain with twin arches, you can get immediate satisfaction under the twin arches. You may have to wait a little while for fine dining. But the experience is going to be worlds apart. And hypnotherapy and hypnosis in the right hands is fine dining at its very best. And it's tailored specifically for the person who's receiving it. Excellent. We're, we we can have very fast, quick fix hypnosis and hypnotherapy. That's like the burger from the Twin Arches. It will satisfy for a moment, or maybe for a short while, but its long term effect. It doesn't have a long term effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's important to get that message across. So. Just stretching back a little bit in terms of, of your background. So you 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 were a mechanic, then you became an engineer and you lectured. But yet all the time, John, you had this interest in people. You mentioned that previously. Sure. This interest in people. This is sort of seems to be a motivating factor for you. Absolutely. And the biggest opportunity I got or I received was when I lectured in college. And here I was given charge of students and their education. And like so many have witnessed, they can either wither away their opportunity or they can actually thrive. So the challenge for me was to make those that would prefer to wither away their opportunity actually show them how to thrive. So rather than me teach them I actually encouraged them to learn. And they learned by challenging what I might say. And it became a competition then, somewhat. And then as they progressed and they did learn, and I could see their growth, they would wither when it would come to exam. And that's when I developed exam protocol, which I call the exam pass or the Uh, SAS protocol, stress and succeed. You cannot beat, you cannot avoid stress when it comes to an exam. So you embrace the stress, you use the energy and you do succeed. Excellent. And, you know, you've preempted my next question because, you know, we were going to go on and talk about um, the, the, the exam protocol that you have. And, you also mentioned there about stress and you know we 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 do need stress stress some element of stress but not overbearing stress uh, or um what's the call 
that we don't need we don't need the, the too much cortisol, isn't that, that a byproduct of stress? Would you comment on that? Well, I can. So stress is like fire for heat. If you can control the fire, you can actually heat your life and your, your surroundings. If you don't control the fire, you have an inferno. Stress is like that. Uncontrolled stress becomes overwhelming and an inferno that will engulf you. And I have firsthand experience where I ultimately tested hypnosis. So in 2016, I suffered a severe stroke. And the words that the, the neurologist said to me were, Mr. O'Connor, you've had a massive stroke and you may not walk or talk again. Now, I was unaware, I knew I had paralysis, but I was unaware I couldn't talk. So internally, I was roaring, shouting at this man, F you, you don't know what you're talking about. It took some time, 48 hours to be honest, and I was over that huge episode because I said to myself, if this shit works, as in if this hypnosis works, I have to explain to you, when somebody has the stroke, their language goes extremely blue, very blue. So if this stuff works, it's going to work now. And all I wanted was to wiggle my toes. That's all I wanted. And once I got wiggling my toes, I knew I would get all the way back to my brain and I get movement. So two days in high dependency ward, I got out of bed. I was going to the toilet. That's all I wanted to do was go to the toilet. I had a catheter in and anyone that has had a catheter in, when it's attached to the bed and you attempt to go to the toilet, it is a great way of checking your movement. So the only thing that stopped me going to the toilet that day was a catheter. I knew I was back on the road to recovery. I was in bed number one, high dependency, which is the highest, or is the, I'm the most dependent on the expert help. And I decided I was moving to bed number five, and after two days, I moved to bed number five. Now, you'd go bed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and out. I decided to go to bed number five for whatever reason. And then within another four days, I was out of high dependency ward. Mm. So you're a prime now, example. It's, it's literally the choices I had where I would prefer to be dead than paralyzed. And I mean that, and I have no fear of death whatsoever. Um, so I had to get out of there. And I couldn't wait for doctors to decide my fate. So after six months in 2016, I had to go in front of a board of neurologists to get my life back to be allowed to operate, to be allowed to drive, to be allowed to just 
be normal. Mm. Uh, they were extremely reluctant. They wanted to wait another six months, which my patience was at its end. Mm. So I did a demonstration for them, covertly, if you like. I challenged them that they were doctors and they hadn't even checked my blood pressure, to which they were surprised. So one of them checked my blood pressure, and while he was doing it, I dropped my blood pressure, I dropped my heart rate, and I dropped my oxygen saturation all at the same time while still talking to him. Now, that's what you can do with hypnosis, because all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. So going back to your earlier question about getting hypnosis done to you, mm. no, no, you're not. You're going to learn how to do hypnosis for yourself in the hands of an excellent pr practitioner. Excellent. Well, that that's a, you're a prime, I was going to say, you're a prime example of somebody who knows exactly what you're talking about and you've demonstrated it in your own life. Well done. Well, thank you very much. And if if I could bore you slightly. Oh, definitely, I'm, you're not boring me. I find this absolutely fascinating. And, you know, I want to hear more, please. Well, on New Year's Eve of this year, I was getting ready to go and enjoy New Year's Eve like so many. I had a shower. I was walking up the stairs. And I just felt, oh, oh something wrong here woozy like that that's all i can that was the feeling by the time i got to the top of the stairs i realized i was having a stroke that's only a few weeks ago right um the ambulance was called i called the ambulance i spoke to the ambulance controller mm -hmm. they ran me through the fast protocol which i also know yeah and the the huge importance for me was to actually keep from here up working. So you talk in a very animated way to keep the activity working from the neck up. I had lost my left side again. Uh, and I was rushed to hospital in Cork. It's colloquially known as the Wilton Hilton Cork right. University Hospital. Um, as we were going in the ambulance, the stroke actually got worse. Right. And the paramedics are limited in what they can do when they have you in the ambulance. So the only movement I had, if you can see, I'd lost everything and I got this going. And that's all I had, that little bit of movement, finger and thumb. Mm -hmm. And once I had that, I knew I'd get the rest. Mm -hmm. So... They treated me very quickly, very expediently, and brilliantly in the hospital. And then I was moved to the high dependency ward. And I actually asked, where is the low dependency ward? And they pointed at that room, and I said, I'll be there in two days. I was there in two days. Very pleasure to you. And just, you mentioned about, you know, touching your, your thumb and your forefinger together. How did you know that if you got that, that you'd be okay? What what was it that told you that? I honestly don't have the answer. 
but right. uh, the sensation of losing your your mobility is quite surreal. It's mm. like you can look at it, you can see your hand, you can see your arm, see your leg, but you have no connection with it. It's like it's somebody yeah. else's arm and leg. Yeah. So, dissociation, yes. Yeah. Yes. So by me mm. getting movement, now to explain, I would have looked a bit funny because the paramedic in the ambulance with me was concerned that something was happening. So I just had to put my right hand up and just tell her, give her the thumbs up, I'm okay. And then explain to her what I had just done. And she's there like, I've never seen this before. I've never seen this before. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's in, the level of concentration and focus is absolutely powerful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And if following on from that, John, that fascinating story and and you know, demonstration of, you know, the your ability and 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 your dedication to doing this uh, work, you you all off air we mentioned that you were you also uh, focus on uh, chronic pain, the alleviation yes. of chronic pain. Would you comment on that, please? Well, chronic pain um, can be caused by trauma and generally is caused by trauma. <clears throat> but it has been present in our lives and in our bodies for so long that it develops its own memory. And when the physical body has recovered to whatever extent, the pain can actually still stay at its full impedance. And it's the memory that keeps the pain level alive not the actual physical trauma or it may be some other trauma. It could be an emotional trauma. Uh, either way, it was caused by a trauma. It was in the past. That trauma has changed by some means or other. And the pain levels still stay high. So you treat the memory of the pain or the pain memory, as I would call it. I I had an experience with a lady who I accidentally again walked into her shop and she was in a wheelchair 17 years and she had never known what it was like not to have pain. And when I reached to hold her hand, she actually winced and pulled away from me. But all I did was speak to her and that's all I knew. I was to follow up and meet her again. Her husband refused to let me see her because he was, uh, how would I say? He was a puritanical Catholic. And mm. what I did did not fit with his beliefs. But I met her son some months later on the street. And he said, you give mammy the best six months of her life. She actually passed away. Oh. And it, it would have been six months, yeah, after I had met him. She had just passed away peacefully. And he said he could not remember her being in so comfortable. And all he did was talk to the lady. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a wonderful testimony to, you know, the power of words 
and mm-hmm. the power of just being present to somebody. And would you comment, John, if, if, you, if you don't mind, briefly about the power of words and how important it is to use words in the correct manner? Well, I, I'll quote another hero of mine, Bruce Lee, who I also consider to have been a fantastic hypnotist. He was a great martial artist, but he was very much mind more than physical. And um, as as Bruce Lee says, words cast spells. That's why we call the construction of a word spelling. Interesting. Love it. Absolutely, you know, and and how many times, John, do we, you know, we do a lot of self-talk ourselves, and how many times are we putting ourselves ourselves into, a, you know, a spell or a or a trance, the trance of all our the own time. Yeah, yeah, all the time. I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the other thing, uh, um, there's an awful lot of emphasis on positive talk. And if you look at a magnet, there's a positive and negative or a north and south on a magnet. Mm-hmm. You know, yin and yang effectively are positive and negative. We cannot live without negativity. We actually need an element of negativity. We need to have bad days like today so we can appreciate the good days of the summer. Mm. We need nighttime to rest so we can enjoy daytime. And negativity also balances our life. When we have a negative experience, it helps us to really appreciate the positive experience. So too much positivity is like sugar. Too much sugar will make you diabetic. Too much positivity will make you an emotional diabetic. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's all about this, you know, it's all about being a holistic uh, point of view and holistic, living and leading an an holistic life. As you mentioned, it's about balance. Yes. Yes. And when we when we look at holistic life, and I can speak somewhat on this one, Mm. um, there's a huge emphasis on academic achievement. Academic achievement is only one element of education and intelligence, and it's only a small element, I believe. There are many artists, be they brush and paint artists, or musical artists, or stage artists, who have no formal education, but they're absolute genius. Mm. Uh, One that comes to mind is Sir Anthony Hopkins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, an absolute genius of stage. Yeah. So we cannot place all emphasis on academic achievement. No. And then we all appreciate tradesmen. Everybody here, everybody listening will experience a tradesman of some sort, be it a builder, a painter, a plumber, an electrician. Mm-hmm. They were considered academic dropouts because they didn't go and get a degree or go to third level college. But we can all go through life without ever meeting an accountant, 
are indeed a surgeon or pick any of the degrees out there that you like. But we cannot get through life without a tradesman or a tradeswoman. Yeah. So the 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 point I'm making a holistic approach is a little piece of everything and mix them together. And the best example of that is a good Irish stew. It's mm. made up of many ingredients and it definitely nourishes body and soul. Absolutely. Well done. Well said indeed. Well said. And um, is there anything else now, John, that you want to get across before we um, end the podcast? Well, there is. I, I'm going to put a shout yeah. out for all my colleagues yeah. who are hypnotherapists. Right. And and for anyone that has a doubt about hypnosis and hypnotherapy, mm. I have an analogy of it. Yeah. We can all appreciate orchestral music. We may not like it, but we can appreciate it. And the music is performed by many different sections of the orchestra and many different instruments. However, there's only one conductor and there can only be one conductor and there can only be one leader of the orchestra. So a cooperation between the leader and the conductor will bring the best performance from the orchestra. So those that are considering hypnotherapy, if they consider themselves as the orchestra and they are actually leading the way to the conductor, the hypnotherapist, with a little bit of practice, they will actually do a symphony. Mm -hmm. Excellent. That's, that's wonderful. And you're a great man, John, for for the for metaphor. As you speak in metaphors uh, quite frequently, would you comment on that? Well, it's um, well well documented that Milton Erickson was the expert of, of hypnotic metaphor. But if you actually study some of the other people, even going further back, every one of them used metaphor. And right. as a lecturer and a teacher. I actually used metaphor to get whatever boring subject I had to teach across to the students. Mm. So metaphor is the most powerful tool of learning. Yeah. And metaphor and indeed story, you know, we, we meet people where they're at and we take them and we bring them and carry them to where we want to bring them or where they want to go themselves through the use of words, through the use of stories, through the use of Metaphor. So, John, um, where can we contact you? Um, a lot of it is word of mouth. In right. fact, nearly all of it is word of mouth. I'm contact contactable on phone. Yeah. I've had a very mixed relationship with the internet and websites. And okay those matters that's under construction or under review at the moment mm. so a new mm -hmm. website is imminent and oh. um, so yeah absolutely it's it's it i'm a reluctant uh internet and social media baby okay and um i have to learn i have to learn to embrace it okay. and would you like to give us your phone number 
absolutely. Um, yeah. So for those outside of Ireland, it's 00353879394126. No, oh, 128. Sorry, 128. Okay, give it to us again, please. Yes, so it's um, 87 93 Wonderful. Any final points, John? Um, no, I, I'm delighted to be a part of the EAPH. I think it's a, it, it's a fantastic resource for all of us, not just in Ireland, but across Europe. Yeah. Uh, I, I look at the, the membership growing. I yeah. take... I applaud Helen yeah. for the way she she's like little Bo Peep minding her sheep, yeah. and I hope her flock gets bigger and bigger. And she does a great job keeping us all in line and current. And also, I'd like to thank you, Aidan, because this podcast is fantastic. It's a fantastic mm -hmm. learning tool for all of us, and it's an encouragement on a daily basis. Well, thank you, John. And I, I have to say, I really enjoyed uh, speaking with you. Uh, and um, I'm, without sounding patronizing, I'm really impressed by your vast knowledge and experience. And any client out there is lucky to have somebody of your caliber working with them to achieve their results. So, John A. O'Connor, thank you so much for joining me today. And until the next time, take care and bye-bye. Thank you very much, Aidan. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you for watching and listening to today's podcast. I do hope that you have received some benefit from it. Please like and share with your colleagues and friends. And why not take a visit to eaph.ie, where our professional members are waiting and standing by for your call. Bye-bye for now, until next time, and I've been your host, Aidan Noon.